Global Becoming One podcast. We are Brad and Kate. In our more than 20 years of marriage, we've survived both dark times and experienced restoration. Now, as a licensed marriage counselor and relationship coaches, we help couples to regain hope and joy. We invite you to journey with us as we are still becoming one. Let's start the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Still Becoming One. We are excited to be with you again today. Mm-hmm. We are talking about and a topic we love to talk about, which is love. Oh. But we're really talking about Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, which is an amazing book, amazing resource that I'm sure probably most of you are very familiar with. But we're going to talk about the Five Love Languages advanced edition is that where you add plants as a sixth love language or you could add firewood as a sixth love language (laughs) like right like yeah no um we're talking about you know you've read the book you get the idea that you're supposed to show your spouse the love language that they need not what you usually need and tend to give automatically Mm -hmm. but paying attention to what they need. So that is a really, really important step. But we want to go past just that kind of basic understanding of the five love languages and talk about three other ways that you can pay attention to it and use it to truly grow your marriage. True. So you don't want to talk about plants then? No, I don't need to talk about plants today. <laughs> but I think people need to know. I think we mentioned in one of their podcasts that I'm surrounded by plants in our podcast room. That's right, because mm-hmm. they make me feel relaxed yeah, and calm me. and okay. just happy when I'm in my office. So that's why I have all my plants here. <clears throat> but do you want to tell everybody what your real love language is? My extra. It's your not extra. the other one isn't real. But you said firewood. It's not just things. It's, it's warmth. warmth. Anything that keeps me warm and the wood stove keeps me warm. So it's one of my faves. Right. For sure. Right. So, But I only need one of those. Can you imagine if we had this many wood stoves? <laughs> but um, I uh, told my wife the other day when somebody came and delivered a load of wood that I was speaking her love language and mm-hmm. showed her the picture of a huge pile of wood in our front lawn. And I think <laughs> it made her happy. So. Yes, it did not make our kids happy because it's unprocessed wood, so they have to do some work. Have to help us with it, right? They don't have to do it alone. We all do it, but right. I didn't think they were as excited to see it as I was. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how we utilize the five love languages when we are coaching couples at various stages of their growth and process. Well, and I think first of all, it's worth mentioning that. I think when we pull this out with people that are like, oh, yes, like I've heard that. Right. But there is a lot of good truth and substance in the love languages and how we can use them. And I think one of the biggest truths you can pull out is that we give what we want to receive. Yes. We give what we want to receive and also what it is that we want to receive changes through our life. It isn't one thing. So it is very possible that what your spouse's love language or main love language was when you got married is not the same thing as it is today. When I've heard that Gary Chapman has actually amended that, like because in the beginning, I think he very much thought that 
it stayed the same. Right. Um, we've never quite held that that belief because different stages, different whatever is happening in your life definitely can impact it and change it for a time. So um, I think it's really good to keep it on the forefront that as life is different, as life stages come, as demands are different, it can look very different. Sure. So if you haven't had your spouse take that love languages quiz recently, I highly recommend you go and check it out. Um, there's, it's just a great resource to talk about. Mm-hmm. And this is when we're starting coaching with couples that are, are maybe going through some struggles. They're, they're having trouble dealing with communication or some other issues. We will often restart at exploring love languages. Mm-hmm. And I often tell these couples of like, yes, I know this is basic. This is, you know, a starting point and you've probably already looked at this, but Mm -hmm. in many ways we need to re put up some scaffolding around your relationship Mm -hmm. to help you feel secure, to actually move towards each other in a way that tells you that we're strong enough to deal with some of the hard things that are coming up later. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably, I think it's probably one of the first things to go when there's stress and That's exactly right. life is busy or whatever's going on. It's the first thing that you don't really make time for. That's right. And when you don't make time for it, all of a sudden now you have this situation where it feels like your spouse doesn't love you and it feels like you're not doing anything to love your spouse and it's just this distance gets created. Mm-hmm. And once... You know, you just are purposeful about speaking those love languages again and trying to do that. All of a sudden, what gets communicated is, well, my spouse is trying. It may Mm -hmm. not be perfect. We've still got lots of issues, but it really is kind of like giving some scaffolding, some strength to your relationship in order to help you deal with some of the hard things that you need to go through. Mm -hmm. So. I would tell you, even in a place where maybe you're struggling, maybe you're you're listening to this today and going, yeah, I don't even know if I want to speak love to my spouse, I would encourage you to think about what are some ways that you can as a way of actually leading towards deeper growth and change, not just as a concession of everything's fine, not burying over those issues, but truly saying, I love you and I want to work on these things with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that's the first thing of just kind of the more advanced level that you don't have to be in a good place in order to actually speak your spouse's love language. So the second thing that we've talked about is really understanding that there is an opposite risk. Once you understand your spouse's love language, you also have to take notice of what the opposite of that love language might be. Sure. So like, I think one of the easiest ones to give a picture of that for is if your love language is words of affirmation, then words spoken in frustration and hurt can often um, have a deep impact, almost sometimes deeper than than other people because Correct. words of affirmation say you're loved. So then words that come out that maybe were unfiltered or not really thought through as well as they could be are going to have a deeper impact. Right. Yeah. Um 
So it's thinking through that. So if your spouse is a words of affirmation person, it is really just thinking through those words because you're going to have frustration. You're going to have times of conflict. That's pretty normal. So, but keeping in the back of your mind, like how I say this and how I slow down to try and figure this out is going to be more important than some other people. Exactly right. And honestly, for each one of the five love languages, there is that kind of opposite risk, right? That, that we need to pay attention to and recognize that there is something that happens if it's not being spoken, if it's decidedly not being spoken. So if your spouse's words of affirmation, you have to be very cautious about negative words about that Kate was just talking about. If your spouse's love language is quality time, you need to be cautious when life gets extra busy. They're going to mm-hmm. be more sensitive to that. They're going to be more aware when yeah. you when that time has been lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it and if your um, spouse's love language is physical touch, and during times of stress or conflict, there is the absence of that. That is going to impact them. It's going to make them feel it quicker and deeper. Sure. And even with physical touch, I've heard spouses say things like, you know, you missed this opportunity mm. to touch. You know, mm. we were sitting somewhere together and you didn't even touch me. Like the, the fact mm. that you, the other person may not have even thought about it because their love language is physical touch. They recognize the missed opportunity very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so... If we recognize those missed opportunities, we need to be more aware of taking those opportunities because the absence of it also communicates in a strong way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So acts of service is another one that we have to be very careful of the opposite, right? It's it's great to speak those things that are on um, your spouse's to-do list and be able to serve them in that way. Mm -hmm. But I would say it is... The opposite here is being very cautious of when something has been said, hey, could you do this for me, or can you get this done, and you don't. So missing the to-do list, missing the things that your spouse was expecting of you seems to be an extra sensitivity for people who are acts of service. Yeah. This just sounds like it complicates it more. It does complicate it <laughs> more. Because we like, what? You're going to give me more to think about? But it's true. It it just is bringing up another nuance and sensitivity to it that helps bring understanding. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And so the fifth one is gifts. Mm-hmm. And so just understanding that, I mean, gifts, I think, I think with any of these, it's sitting down with your spouse when it's safe and actually having a conversation of like, when do you feel like I miss it? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. But with gifts, it can be lots of different sort of um, angles coming in because gifts are still a part, all, as are all the other love languages. But there are holidays, there are birthdays, there are things that bring in that gift giving anyways. But just um, looking at those and what does that mean? Because right. gifts aren't just about those times. So then when those times come in, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it's more important in those times. Um, we've always said like the, the love language of gifts is probably better understood as uh, the love language of you were thinking of me when we weren't together. 
And so I've heard spouses who are um, the main love language is gifts be really hurt when, you know, Valentine's Day comes around and they get something that doesn't seem very thoughtful, right? It wasn't even the cost of it. It wasn't the whatever of it. It was, you just grabbed something at the store to say that you did. It didn't have thought in it. And so all of a sudden that thought is really what communicates to them. So if if you feel like your spouse isn't thinking about you while you're apart, that's the problem. So really for the love language of gifts, you have to be really cautious of being able to communicate when you're not together um, and putting thought into gifts, right? It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It's just doing something that says, I think I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So understanding the sensitivities that come along with somebody's love language is kind of the second idea of going a little deeper with the five love languages. The third is very cautiously and lovingly using the love languages to end arguments. And this is, I'm saying cautiously and lovingly because this is not supposed to be manipulative. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Don't want to do that. Right. But it is a really effective way to truly tell your spouse, I love you, even if we're disagreeing about this. We're on the same team. We're going to get through this. Like they become really effective tools to kind of shift the argument so that it becomes more towards working towards each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think that, you know, just figuring out how after a conflict you can, it not necessarily immediately, but how in the next 24 hours can you reach out to your spouse in the way that makes them feel most loved Mm -hmm. because you're being intentional of reminding them, not because it's an insecurity, but because you value them and you love them and you know what reassurance does for you to just, you know, let them know that they're loved. And even though we had this conflict for whatever it was, you are still really important to me. I value you no matter what we have arguments about. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, you know, Kate's main love language is physical touch. And I know that I need to think about whether we're in a time of conflict or having just kind of worked through that, I need to be purposeful about making sure I take her hand and or give her a hug or something like that, because that is an important part of the communication of saying, hey, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for Brad's his quality time other than plants or quality time with his plants. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> you said you like to sit in your office and look at your plants. So um, quality time. I mean, if I was willing to sit in his office with him and look at plants, that yeah. would probably be the pinnacle. But um, I get less enjoyment from that. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, after we have conflict of just finding some time in the next couple of days where we can have some, a little bit of undivided attention. Obviously we have four teenagers, three at home. So undivided attention is uh, at a premium. So, but us just being able to find that is really, really helpful to him to know 
that he is loved no matter what. Absolutely. And I'm apparently going to have to post some pictures on our social media pages of your me, plants, me and my plants. So, oh dear. Um, Wait, you mean like like a selfie with each plant? N- no, guys, it's no, gonna I, be a long. I don't post. think you want that. I, I, I'll just <laughs> post a picture of my. Because I can go out and get a picture of my wood pile, but it's just going to be like one wood pile. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we also want to just take this moment, and maybe this is something we can do in a future podcast, but plug um, Gary Chapman's the apology languages. So um, it was one of those books that I think I avoided for a long time. Um, you know, I love five love languages, but I think I, I just didn't look at it. Why did we avoid it? Because it feels, it felt a little bit like there was a five love languages for everything in life. And so you just get a little like, oh my goodness, how could there be one more? But the guy is smart. Right. <laughs> and it makes sense. So he ended up writing this book on on apology and how each one of us is looking for something different in how we apologize. So while you're over at the Five Love Languages website checking out how to maybe update and figure out what your spouse's love language is, you might want to check out the apology languages quiz as well and see if you can learn something about them. It was spot on. Good stuff. Yeah, it was really helpful. Yeah. So something to think about. So um, we hope that you will dive into your spouse's love language, learn it, and learn how to go to the next level as you are still working on becoming one together. Still Becoming One is a production of Aldrich Ministries. For more information about Brad and Kate's coaching ministry, courses, and speaking opportunities, you can find us at aldrichministries.com. For podcast show notes and links to resources in all of our social media, be sure to visit us at stillbecomingone.com. And don't forget to like this episode wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us to continue your journey on Still Becoming One.